1 John chapter 4. We will continue where we left off last week, discussing manifesting perfect love. Starting in verse 7, the Scripture says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Hereby we know, hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He hath given us of His Spirit, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him, and He in God. And we know, and we have known, and believe the love that God hath to us. God is love, and He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in Him. Herein is our love made perfected that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love Him because He first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that, hateth, for he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, How can he love God whom he hath not seen? This commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth love his brother also. Let's pray. Dear Lord, once again we are thankful to come here today, Lord, to your house to worship and praise your name. And Lord, we're grateful that we get another week, Lord, studying into this text of 1 John. Lord, we're grateful for the text and for the scripture. And Lord, we're grateful for this assurance of our salvation through these tests that John give us. Lord, help us to take the tests and Lord, help us to evaluate perfect love in our lives. And Lord, just let the Spirit flow through this room today. Lord, let your name and only your name be glorified through all of it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as we continue on, and before we want to take a deep dive to the rest of the passage, I want to do a re-look over of what we covered last week in the sermon, but I also want to re-exaggerate what the purpose of this book is again. Now, we have spoken of it numerous times that First John puts an emphasis on an important topic. Yes, it's a topic you've heard me talk about since day one, but it's a topic we will continue talking about through the end of First John. It's knowing that we are saved. Many of us come here today with the confidence of our salvation, and that is a blessing to have, and it's a good thing to have, and we'll actually talk about it a little bit in this text. But we also know that we live in a world where there are many 
people with false understandings of salvation. This extends far and wide. This goes from people in the pew to people in the pulpit. This goes from whole denominations that claim Christianity to probably even some in the local New Testament church. We know as Scripture says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There are many wolves in sheep's clothing. There are many who think that they do not need this test or they don't need to evaluate their faith. But I stress it today to open ourselves to the test. There is one thing you want to get right. It is your salvation. The last thing you'll want to hear is the words from the Lord in Matthew saying, depart from me. Taking the test is important. Taking the test is biblical. And John presents the great test today. As we started covering last week, we come back to the text talking about perfect love. We know John has kept speaking about love over and over. He said he done so already here in chapter 2 and in chapter 3. But as we keep in going forward with love, as John goes to talk about it again, he is expanding it. He is broadening the spectrum. He is enriching it more and more. Since as you can see, it, it's taken us more and more time to cover this topic of love. John keeps on stressing it more and more relating it to different ways. In chapter 2, he said that a true perfect love will prove you are in the fellowship of God. In chapter 3, he said that this love will prove you are in the family of God. And here in chapter 4, having this true perfect love shows that God dwells within you. John brings these points up specifically today because two true believers are commanded to love. And we are commanded to love because we have the capacity to love. And this is, again, it's not this worldly love. It's not this false sense of love that the world will talk to you about. It's a pure love, a wholesome love. It's that agape love, a divine love. It's the perfect love as the text talks about. And in talking about this perfect love, John brings forth a specific command to us. He says in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another. This is commanding us to love one another, in which we should all be actively doing. Then in verse 11, he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Verse 21, And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. This is a command that John keeps pointing out over and over. And this is, again, a command we are to be following, to be practicing. We are to be loving in this special way to our brethren. This is that self-sacrificial love, a way similar to Christ's love. This is perfect love. And this is ultimately the great test of our salvation. Is this capacity of love 
only belongs to the believer. Again, it's not a human love. It's not a worldly love. It's not a lustful love, but this is a godly love. The love that wills love. And in talking about this, John gives us many different reasons why we are to love in this way. And we covered three of them in the previous week. The first reason we talked about was because love is the essence of God. Love is the essence of God. Verses 7 and 8 said, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. As believers, we share our life with God. This is an undeniable truth. We have the Spirit of God within us. We possess eternal life. We will not die. We have been transformed. We have been made new. And in fact, this has been one of the greatest transformations. Actually, it is the greatest transformation you will ever have. Being saved. Salvation, you pass from darkness to life. It changes the entire outcome, the entire story. Death, which we oftentimes think about, death will be significant. It's not as significant as when you are saved. Death is where your soul will be present. For us, from earth to heaven. But it's a far greater change to go from complete and utter darkness to the brightest light there ever was. Significant. It's a a huge change. It's that Spirit of God in us. It's you being born again. If God resides and abides in us, we then become a template of God that we are to love the brethren. We are to love them because God is love. And if God is within us, so are we to love. It's a simple concept. The second reason we looked at is that we are to love because it was shown to us by Christ. The scriptures said, in this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. We have to remember, only saved individuals love Christ. Only we possess it. The lost curse Jesus' name. They mock his name. We as children, we we adore this name, right? We sing about his name. We, We pray and we are thankful for that name. We do it constantly because that's what our hearts cry out. That's what our hearts plead. We plead to worship Him. We rejoice. We realize what He did. We realize what the cross is about. We realize that Jesus was that perfect love. That's what these verses said. If God loves us so much that He sent His only begotten Son, if He sent the Son of God, and Christ in His love left His throne in heaven, to bear a cross, to bear the weight of sin. If God was willing to display that love, then surely we are to love as well. 
As God calls us to love. Jesus performed the supreme example of love. He loved the Father so much in obedience that He gave His life. We are to love in a similar way. Obedience. We are to walk in the line of God. Walk in obedience. Because the question being put forth is, how can we not walk in obedience? How can we not love the brethren? If, if God could do this all for us, how can we not love the brethren? How can we not love in a similar way? Thirdly, we looked at how we should love because it is our testimony of God. Verse 12 said, No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. It's our job as Christians to go out, to go give the gospel, to be a light. We do this to show people who God is. As they cannot see God physically, we are to try to show them that God truly exists. That this God that's invisible to them is real. We're, we're, that's our goal as Christians. So how do we do that? The text says we do it by loving one another. We show them who our God is, what He's about. And we show them that He is dwelling within us. The reality is, is that the world sees who God is through the love the church puts out. That's what John says in 1335, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. Love is our testimony. This is how we show who God is. Declaring the reality of Him to the world. We don't want to be the person that drives people away. We don't want to be the person that shows a bitterness. We don't want to be that person that someone said, I, I was almost there. But that person, I don't want to be part of that. I don't want to be in that way. Because if you're acting in a way other than love, you are not representing God. And now, today we'll get to the final three reasons. And again, there's some stuff we won't have to deep dive into as much as John has covered previously. But nonetheless, we'll look at the, third, the last three things. And getting to number four, the fourth reason we should love is that we should love because love is an assurance of our salvation. Love is an assurance of our salvation. Again, as you heard from the intro and we've been hearing, this is sort of the whole theme of the epistle. This is what we keep stressing over and over. But John does more to build up upon it here in the next few verses. In verse 13, Hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He hath given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him, and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in Him. Verse 13 
stresses the cracks of it, is saying that this is how we know we are in Him and that He is in us. So let's ask, how do we know this is true? How do we know that we dwell in God and God dwells within us? We know it through the Spirit, right? But here's the thing. I can't touch the Spirit. I can't visibly see the Holy Spirit. So then how, if we are saved, how can we recognize that we have the Spirit? How do we know we have them? How do we know that the Spirit is dwelling within us? Verse 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, and whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. Listen, many people will say that you know you have the Spirit through a certain mechanism in your head. Many will say that you can see it by sight. Many say you'll know it by many other things. Many will say you'll know it through a voice in your head. But I'm here to tell you that there's only one way you can know the Spirit is in you, and it's through what the Scripture says right here. It's through believing that God sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world, and that you confess Jesus is the Son of God. It's you believing in the Gospel. That's what proves that the Spirit's dwelling in you. Because here's the thing. You wouldn't know anything about the gospel if the Spirit was not within you. We as in our human form, we cannot understand it. The flesh of man cannot grasp it. The flesh is too foolish to understand it. We've all been door knocking. We've all witnessed the people who just won't get it. I see it in what I was before I was saved. Foolish to the gospel. Not understanding what it's about. This is how we know the Spirit is in us. Because we can only understand if the Spirit reveals it to us. There's no other way. Even John. Let's think about John. Our pastor's preaching through his gospel. He is a first-hand witness to the life of Christ. He comes here. He writes these epistles. He's a big player in the New Testament. John, we, we look up to him as this great Christian hero. Even John would not understand if it was not revealed to him. There are many in the time that lived with John in the same time period that saw the miracles of John and still refused to believe and still chose Barabbas. But even the ones chosen by God like John they would not have seen unless first God the Father chose them, then God the Son revealed it to them, and God the Holy Spirit opened their eyes. It's about fully believing the gospel. You can't leave out parts. This is believing that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. This is believing in the Trinity. This is believing that salvation is through faith alone and not by works. This is all evidence. The Holy Spirit is within us. All evidence. Then it points to verse 16. We have known and believe the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. We know we are Christian. 
by having the Spirit. We know we have the Spirit by believing the Gospel. And we then know that all of this happened because God loved us. Our God is love, and He has a great love and agape love for all of for us, us believers. And those who dwell in God dwell in love. We could go deeper. We could keep exploring many different routes with this. Let's just look at this, this doctrinal test. We see this doctrinal test, but we see that in the end that we dwell in God and God dwells in us. Because we abide in love. We abide in God. We love Christ. We love God. We don't love the world. We don't love the world's ways. Now again, as John talked about, I believe in chapter 3, this does, not ex- this does not exempt our enemies. We are to love our enemies. Because God loves us. We are children of God. And we are to be doing this as Scripture says. But we will love the way God loves. Similar to the way that God loves the Trinity as we talked about last week. We will love God in that way. But we will also extend that love to our brethren. And even our enemies. This is the test by John. Is this love in you? Do you love God in this way? I'm not talking about when you slip. We all slip. We all, all were human. But do you have this love? If it is, God is in you. God is manifesting in you. Because love is all the reasons that we are speaking about in this chapter. That love is flowing in you. And it's a blessing. Then to the fifth point. We're going to talk about love. Brings This love brings confidence and judgment. Having this love brings forth confidence in our judgment. It says in the Scripture, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. When we have the Spirit with us, when we have the salvation, when we have crossed from darkness to life, when we have gained the sight to see, when you have embraced the Gospel, and that love is flowing in you, that perfect love, we can use that and have confidence when it comes to Judgment Day. We can have confidence to stand before God. And we can stand before God confidently because we know we have the blood of Jesus. We are cleansed. We are washed clean. We get assurance and confidence through perfect love. We can stand assured and boldly the day Christ comes to return. We can do so confidently. We have no fear. You don't have to fear when the trumpets blow. That's the other side of the spectrum. We won't have that wretched fear. Why? God the Father will treat us similar to Jesus because we are under His blood. 
We are under his perfect love, under his perfect righteousness. And with all that, we can go to judgment day with confidence, knowing we will get to dwell with God forever in heaven. We are children of God. Come the day of judgment, we will be like him. And on that judgment day, we will fully be so. We will be like Christ. And thus we can live life with confidence when looking towards judgment day. We don't need to fear the judgment of God. We are assured of our salvation. We won't be dreading the day he comes back. We could go with the same confidence because we will be under his righteousness. That's the power of perfect love. It takes the fear away. It will get totally rid of it. Because why? Fear is usually associated with punishment. Trust me, when I was a kid and I would do something wrong, especially at school, and they're like, oh, we're going to tell your parents. The worst thing would be is the bus ride home. <laughs> it, would, it would just be dreadful. You know what's coming for you. And it wasn't the school punishment you were worried about. I didn't want to deal with the repercussions. Here's the key. With salvation, there are no repercussions. With salvation, there is no fear. If you fear these things, there is no perfect love. You're worried about the repercussions of judgment day. What does that mean? Take the test. Because if you fully accepted the gospel, what's there to fear about the second coming? In fact, you will look forward to this day. I, I long for this day. I can't wait to hear that trumpet. God wants us to look forward to us. He does not want us to fear. Thus the text given. God wants you to know if you are saved. And the best part about it is once you are saved, nothing will separate you from that perfect love. Not when you slip. Not when you sin. Not when you trip up a bit and make some mistakes. You can't be separated from it. But if you're lacking confidence, take the test. Take the test. And finally, we're to love because love is reasonable. Love because love is reasonable. It says in the verses, we love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. This reasoning here is kind of a glue for the rest of them. It brings it all together. And it's pretty much saying that if you love in this perfect way, it's because God first loved you. We Christians love because God shed love to us over and over, more times than we count, and we don't even deserve it. Then John makes another claim. Verse 20, we've seen many of these claims. The claim in verse 20 is you can't be hypocritical. 
We are characterized by the way we love. We can't say we have this perfect love, this great, extraordinary love, if we are not showing this love. If we are, how can we say we have this self-sacrificial love if you're watching your brother and suffer on the sidelines? How can we love a God we cannot physically see if you can't even love your brother and right next to you? If you claim Christianity, but you don't have that perfect love, then most likely you do not have the capacity for the perfect love, which is a summation that you are lost. John then ends with the command in verse 21 that those who love God should be loving their brethren. Again, this is that self-sacrificial love. What is this love? This is a love that bears the pain for others. This is a love that forgives people when they fail you. This is a love where you give with possibly no return. But it's also a righteous love. It doesn't tolerate sin. I've seen it so much of this church, and it, it has been a blessing upon my heart from many of you. This is agape love. And we expand it out to the brethren. This is the love that brings forth an assurance of your salvation. This is the perfect love that John brings to us today. Do we have the capacity for it? Do we? Are we showing it? Are we loving the brethren in those ways? Make sure we... Christians take the test. The assurance of our salvation is a great thing. And here's the thing with assurance. You could take it with you to the end. You don't have to fear. Things won't change. You can't lose your salvation. You could rest upon that till judgment day comes. But if you are not resting upon that, Get your salvation right. The last thing you want is to have a general fear in you when you hear the trumpets blow. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you once again for this opportunity. And Lord, we're thankful for this perfect love that you showed for, for us. Lord, through your Son, Lord, help us to keep leaning this upon our hearts, Lord. It's, it's been perfect hearing the book of John and the Gospels, and especially John 3 in the morning times, hearing about the perfect love that you did, and Lord, helping it to keep us upon our hearts, Lord, so that we can even come here this evening to take this test. Lord, help the, the love that Christ showed for us keep leaning upon our hearts. Lord, help us to just remember day by day this great thing, Lord, we're grateful for it. And Lord, help us to keep loving in this perfect love. And Lord, if someone here lacks this perfect love, Lord, I ask that you help open their eyes so they may see their condition. Lord, we are grateful that you are a God who saves as we are not worthy of it all. Lord, we're grateful. And Lord, please bless us as we go through the week and Lord, be with our sister churches. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.